0: Welcome, welcome everybody to Check the Mark. Welcome to the 2023 edition. We are two weeks into the season and the Australian Open is underway. Tennis is so unique. It's the only one really of the major sports where something so prestigious happens so early in the year. That puts the onus on the players to put in a good offseason, get the work done, get some practice matches under your belt, and then show up in Melbourne ready to go, ready to hit the ground running. And Melbourne so often lets us know. Who did that work? Who had a really productive offseason? Who got better physically? Who addressed something in their game? Who added to their game? Who refined one of their weaknesses? And who is ready to sort of step up and take that next step in their careers? This episode is not going to be really an Australian Open preview. I want to do a mid-tournament episode a week from now. This episode is going to be about sort of mindset kind of things. What it's like sort of transitioning from the offseason into the competitive part of the season... And what makes elite truly elite? What's going through their mind? What are, this, what are the, the characteristics, particularly on the mental side, that make those certain athletes different? And we have a great guest today. My buddy Mark Pryor on the show. Mark's one of my closest friends. We grew up together in San Diego. He was one of the best pitchers in baseball over the span of a couple of years. He won the Golden Spikes Award at USC. That's the Heisman Trophy for college baseball. He turned pro. He was the number two pick in the draft. Spent about a month in the minor leagues before... He went up to join the big club, the Chicago Cubs, and like I said, he was one of the best pitchers in baseball before injuries really derailed his career. In 2003, Mark was nearly unhittable for the second half of the year. I watched. I probably went to, I went to a bunch of these games, and it was just it was electric watching him do what he does. It was almost if you think about the feeling you have when you watch a Carlos Alcaraz or or a Nadal, you watch someone and you have that feeling when you're in the arena or the stadium that you think something you might see something special that day. That was what it was like watching Mark pitch back in the day. Injuries took hold, and he reinvented himself on the coaching side of things. He worked for the Padres in the front office, worked for the Padres sort of in the minor leagues and, and as a liaison, eventually making his way to the LA Dodgers. He's now the pitching coach for the LA Dodgers for the big club, works for Dave Roberts, the manager. And in Mark's first year, I think, with the Dodgers, or second, I think at first, they won the World Series. So, you know, a good way to start off. And since then, they've had one of the best pitching staffs year in, year out, a large part obviously due to the great athletes they have, but a large part due to him because there's great athletes everywhere in pro sports, but only certain teams actually win. So we're going to get to a great talk with Mark. Last thing on tennis before we get to our chat, I watched Adelaide 1 and 2. I watched a little bit of Hobart. I watched the United Cup. I think we're going to see a lot of new faces have some success this year. Don't get me wrong. The people like the Novak Djokovic's of the world, the Sujatek's, they're still going to be around, but I think we're going to see the kind of year... Where we're gonna see a lot of new faces break out. I'm thinking of Sebastian Corda, obviously, a Carlos Alcaraz has the injury issues right now. We're gonna see, I think, a Jessica Pagula, a Taylor Fritz, people who made their move over the last year. I think this might be the year where you see a lot of new faces stepping up, holding big trophies. That to me is really, really exciting. After the break, let's get to my chat with Mark Breyer. All right, joining, check the mark. A friend of mine who I've wanted to have on for quite a long time, we have Mark Pryor. Mark, welcome to the show. I appreciate it. Thanks for having me. Dude, it was great to get on the pickleball court with you about a week ago. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, still recovering. That was, a, uh, that's a long, that was a long three and a half hours for, for me.
0: <laughs> Dude, so when you play, do you feel like you have a little bit of a leg up with your, you know, having played tennis as a kid?
1: Um. Yeah, maybe not leg up. I, I mean, I, I trust my hands. So I, I guess from that standpoint, I have. A, I feel like I, I can hang as long as I can get to a ball. I trust my hands a little bit. Obviously, I'm not playing anybody who's, you know, an expert at it, but I can recreational, I think, play and be able to, you know, hit the ball back with, you know, a little bit of uh, gracefulness, I guess is the best way to put it. But uh Yeah. uh, Yeah. I mean, it's, it's fun. I, I I play, you know, my wife has gotten into it and and I enjoy going out there and playing here and there. And, uh, but the tennis background definitely does help a little bit as far as being able to understand, you know, with a, with a racket or a paddle and and hitting the ball. So, uh, you know, I picked it up pretty, pretty quickly, was
0: able to figure out how to play and get around the court. So the, the funny thing is I think you were the one who told me about pickleball a long time ago, before I'd even heard about it, I think it was right around the time. I think you were doing some stuff with the Padres, and you had mentioned that they had a court either at spring training or at one of their facilities. And I was like, Pickleball, never even heard of this thing.
1: Yeah, no, that's exactly right. It was uh, when I was uh, working for the Padres, it might have been my first year. And the front office staff, uh, this is out in Peoria in their spring training complex, they have this, uh, they had like a rooftop deck um, that overlooked like one of the fields and they like moved all the, you know, picnic tables or whatever they had up there and set up, you know, a makeshift pickleball court. And I, I'd never seen it either. I'd never heard about it. And, you know, they're out there playing and somehow I got, you know, asked to play, got into it and, uh, (laughs) enjoyed playing it. And then, you know, I didn't, then I didn't, you know, that was it and never played again for, you know, four years. And until my wife kind of started picking up and playing with some friends. And and then she had me out, and I was like, ah, I don't know if I really want to go play, you know. Um, but it's fun, yeah. It's 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 uh I've enjoyed it, and uh, obviously it's a rage, you know. Everybody's playing it, and now you're seeing it on TV, and they got, you know, pickleball professional pickleball league, and um, uh, you know, it's a very distinct sound, so you hear it and you know <laughs> somebody's playing it, you know, somewhere. So it's uh it's fun.
0: Well, for, for the people that don't know, currently, you're the pitching coach for the Los Angeles Dodgers. You've had a very successful run there, being one of the best teams in baseball over the last couple of years and winning a World Series, I think the pandemic year. Prior to that, I, I would say, and I'll do the bragging for you, you're one of the best pitchers in baseball when you were playing with the Cubs. And a lot of people don't know that you have a background in tennis. Both your siblings, your older siblings played college tennis at the Division one level. What was it like growing up in that tennis house? Yeah.
1: And, uh, it was, you know, it was good. I, I played my tennis career, uh, fizzled out right around 11 ish, 11, 12 years old. Um, at a tough time, uh, you know, it's kind of weird. People don't understand when I say this, I had a tough time like kind of controlling the, uh, the energy that I had in tennis when I would hit balls out and stuff, uh, because I, it was not the way that I played baseball. So it was kind of a, an interesting thing, but, uh, yeah. I mean, my brother, my brother's five, six years older than me. And my sister's three, three and a half years older than me. They, uh, you know, both played college tennis. They were both, you know, always playing tennis weekends, tournaments, uh, you know, locally here in Southern California. And uh, so I was around it, played with them, rallied, did all that kind of stuff. And it was fun to watch. And um yeah. So, I mean, tennis has kind of always been in, I guess, kind of in the background uh, always enjoy watching it on, you know, on TV, and, and just amazed that you know, you know, I'm, probably the most I watch is like Grand Slams, just because they're on TV, you know, more prime time, and just amazed at what these what these professionals can do and how long and and how long they can keep their focus. I mean, some of the, you know that match at the U.S. Open last year, you know, however long that was, five hours. Uh, uh, yeah, an hour. And yeah, and just it's just intense. I mean, it's 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 a very it's a different than a team sport. You're out there on your own. You got to you know maintain some sort of motivation, you got to maintain a focus, uh, the endurance, um, you know, it's, it's pretty impressive watching these players play and and at the level that they're playing at it. And just from a standpoint of knowing how difficult it is to, you know, play the game and, and then you watch it at such a high skill level. It's, it's pretty awesome. And, um, and it was fun watching my brother and sister play and, and they were fortunate to, they, you know, my sister still plays in their 40s right now. So it's, uh, she loves it.
0: You talked about a few different things there, like mostly what grabs my attention and it's something that we've kind of talked a lot about is the mentality. And you talked about sort of being able to control your emotions. When you were playing, and obviously this is a while ago, this is 20 years, 15, 20 years ago. How are you able to sort of balance the intensity with kind of the cool demeanor on the outside, which I think a lot of people saw you and like, oh, this Mark, this dude is laid back from Southern California. I mean, I know that you had the intensity inside you. And and how did you sort of balance that intensity with the outward demeanor and then with, you know, the focus and, and that, that drive for excellence?
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not quite sure. I, I think, you know, some of it was probably, you know, just, again, growing up in the house, it was a very competitive household, um, especially when you're the youngest, you know, of the three children. Um, you know, there was a lot of... Uh, you know, internal, you know, competitive things, you know, we were always competing, we we're always playing, you know, and when I guess there was an expectation that, you know, you would go out there and strive to kind of do your best and, and kind of, you know, hold your own, uh, you know, with your older brother, or your older sister. And I, I guess that's a little bit of it, hold your own, but then not be that younger kind of, you know, I don't want to say like, cry ish kind of like if you got beat it was more of like hey man we're playing let's go you know and, and you kind of hold your own you hold your own or your you know your older brother's you know friends or you hold your older sister's friends and and you just kind of it's kind of you get thick skin and I think you know then you trans you know you move up the ranks and you transition into a, you know into college and in pro ball and you get pushed by a lot of other competitive and highly skilled individuals um and you just kind of learn how to you just i don't know if it's just a a natural thing or or if it's not something that you just train per se but it's you just learn how to control your emotions because you know like i alluded to as tennis like i I had a hard time controlling those emotions and then you know you just fly off the rails and next thing you know you're you lose a you're losing a match 6061 because you you hit two balls out it goes so fast right it turns so fast yeah it's a blink of an eye and things are over and i think Honestly, you know, I, I think having that experience of not being able to control uh, in an individual sport, not being able to control my emotions and what it led to as far as the process that I was going through in matches, and then the ultimate, you know, outcome of the matches. I think, you know, me transitioning into baseball more seriously, you had, you know, you have teammates to help that you support that and, and kind of get through some, you know, uh, you know, when you would make mistakes or or some adversity. Um, but I think ultimately, you know, what you, when you start growing up and you start being involved is you understand what the preparation side is and, you know, how important and, 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 and how that prepares you to go out. And it's like, you know what? I've prepared. I've done what I can to, to get myself, put myself in a, mentally in a good frame of mind and physically in a, in a good spot. Um, and you just got to go out there and, and just trust that everything that you've done in the practice or in the weight room um, setting has has put you in a position to succeed, and and then you kind of just gotta let it let the chips fall where they do, um, and then not get so focused on like the results as much as just the process about going about it, and um, you know. But it takes time, you know, and 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 I think it comes through a lot of failure, uh, and it mm. comes through a lot of adversity uh, to kind of get to that mindset, and that's
0: not always easy to get to for sure. Are you able to sort of get your players? To, to buy into that like in, in your current role, getting them to focus on you know on the process on the you know execution of the plan versus sort of the result wise execution that they might be looking for. Do you feel like I guess when you look at the, the top top guys that you have and then the ones who are trying to get there, do you see any sort of difference?
1: Well, I think you definitely
0: with the top top guys, I
1: mean you're matching elite talent and elite skill sets with you know elite mental emotional um, you know, IQ type. Yeah, you know, they 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 know they're very confident in what they can do, but it's all rooted in what their foundation is in their preparation. Uh, and that and that you know, obviously, that's a, a kind of a wide catch-all. You know, when you say preparation, but it, again, it goes back to like, a, there's a physical component of it, there's a mental component of it, there's a, maybe even there's a game planning component of it. You know, knowing exactly what you have clarity you know, thought of what you're going to go out and try to do with that specific team. Uh, and then it's a little bit of just knowing themselves, like they know what their strengths are. Uh, they know potentially what their weaknesses are at that moment. Uh, and then being able to navigate the lineups from a baseball standpoint uh, to put themselves in the best position. But I think, you know, those main guys, you know, they have that skill set. So they have the physical tools, and then they just have the ability to slow things down. And, we, and you mentioned it earlier, it happens like a blink of an eye. And It's funny. I was reading something uh, this morning about baseball. It's you know, there's close to 300 pitches in a game. You know, you know, on average, 275 to 325. You know, in an average game, you know, games get decided in five or less pitches sometimes. And so it's you got to treat every pitch like it's you know, it's the most important one. But then you got to make sure that you have. Kind of that steady heartbeat you know all the way through you don't want to treat everyone like it you know you treat it as the most important pitch but you can't have that physical and mental exertion on every single pitch to where you're like you know where it becomes a stress everything comes as a stressful event it's more of just like this is the event i'm prepared for this let's go at it and just trust the process of, of going out and trying to execute and i think with the younger guys that game that heartbeat speeds up and they try to think two, three, four, five pitches down the line, okay, I got runners on second and third. I got to do this, this, and this. When in reality, it's, you don't. You just got to do what you're doing right now, and that's this pitch, and take this moment as an individual event.
0: You know, I'm curious if you sort of feel the way I do. I feel like when I'm watching top people compete, you can see the they're content to take what the game's given them or what the opponent's given them in the moment and continue to execute the fundamentals, like not in a special way, but doing the fundamentals at a very, very high level. And then when they get their chance, you know, they're going to continue doing it. But when you see the players who aren't quite there, they'll do it, they'll kind of hold it together for a little while. And then at some point, like you said, that heartbeat gets too high and they do something outside their skill set or outside what they're prepared to do. And as a coach, like I, I know that, very second what's happening and then I know what's coming next. And I'm wondering if you know, I mean, I can't sub my guy out like you can. <laughs> and I'm wondering if yeah. you know if you're familiar with that position, that feeling.
1: Yeah, no, I think that's very fair. And I think some of the veterans when I was coming up and I was when I was playing the veterans, that was one of the things they talked about is sometimes the game you got you gotta accept what the game is giving you. You know, if a guy's gonna, you know, if the hitter's about to sacrifice themselves in, in in any way, whether it's a bunt, whether it's hitting behind the runner, sometimes you just take that, you take that out, and you move forward, because we talk about it in, in, in baseball a lot is is minimizing damage. You know, it's like or a bend don't break kind of mentality. It's like you're gonna, you know, it's gonna happen. You're gonna give up a double and a walk and a single, and you're gonna have base loaded with no outs. You know, your job is not necessarily to get out of there with no runs. Your job is to get the next out. And, but you could see, and I'm, I was completely guilty of it when I was younger. Uh, you, you try, it's like, okay, I'm going to strike these next three guys out. So that nothing happens, and that's where the game, you know, that's where you get in trouble. And that's where all of a sudden, uh, so maybe you only give up one run and you're still giving your team an opportunity, uh, to win the ball game or at least come back in it. Then it's like a one big hit base is cleared and then things start snowballing. So at times you got to take what the game's given you and it's not always, um, you know, it's not always going to, you're going to go out, you're going to have your best stuff and you're going to dominate like that happens, but that's not the norm. It's the norm is about, you know, grinding through and kind of going toe to toe with the opposing team and a little bit of a, you know, a back and forth. And, and then what happens is you just wait for that opportunity. You're like, okay, I need to either shut it down or you're waiting for your offense to take it to advantage of the other side. And I'm assuming it's a little bit like tennis, like sometimes like you hold, serve, you hold, serve, you hold, serve. And then, you know, that opponent makes a mistake and maybe you get up in their service game and like, you got to take an opportunity to break right there, but you're trying to break somebody's serve right out of the shoot. Sometimes, you know, that might not be the time to do it, you know, or you might not be in a position to do it. So um, yeah, it, it's really about, again, it, it goes back to just knowing who you are, knowing what you are, what you are good at and then understanding how to implement and execute those to put you in a best position to succeed. And, and that comes with a lot of, you know, honest self-reflection in, in the mirror, you know, it's like, okay, this is what I'm good at. This is what I can do. I'm still trying to improve in these areas, but until I get to the point where I feel like I can implement that into an actually competitive atmosphere, I still got to double down on these things right now. And I think those, if you can do that, then I think people, um, you know, can feel confident
0: with themselves out on the mount so it's january right now the tennis tours in australia most of the players have sort of gone through a four to six week off season played one or two warm tournaments and now the australian open starts this week i have always found and there's an excitement because it's summertime in australia you know most of the people have come from their cold weather places either in europe or you know different parts of you know of asia everyone's in australia Everyone's excited because there's that clean slate and everyone thinks, you know, this might be their year. It it always strikes me from an outsider's point of view is what it might feel like in Arizona for spring training or or for Florida. Because you guys have that nice sort of build up, you know, through the spring training games, you know, mid-February all the way till April until you guys start playing games that count. What is a spring training like both from the player's point of view and, and a coach's point of view as far as the vibe and the attitude
1: yeah, I, I think from a player's point of view, you know, you spend all off season. Um, you know, say the off season starts in October for most people. Uh, at some point in October, you know, you, you come up with a game plan or what are you going to do this off season and how you're going to get better, like things you need to improve on. Um And so you show up to spring training, and you're excited because it is a fresh start. You know, whatever happened last year happened with a good batter and different. It's a fresh start, and now it's an opportunity to get back in that atmosphere, that competitive atmosphere and see like, okay, all these things that I worked on for the last two, three months, which is our off season, now how is it playing against competition? Uh, So there's that, yeah, there is that newness, that fresh start mentality. Uh, But then the, you know, I don't, we've never actually talked about this on the tennis side of it, it's, you know, then you get to these points of like, and there's just, you know, natural like ebbs and flows of the season you know, you get some mid spring training and you're just kind of like, okay, now I'm ready for this to be over. And it's like, how do you stay focused? How do you stay dedicated? Cause it's a daily grind, with in our sport, you know, every day you got to go, you're, you're doing something. Um, and you don't get that freshness until opening day again. And then again, that you get like a new little like jolt of like adrenaline, like, all right, here we go. This is for real now. Like spring training is fun and it's kind of casual and things don't, they matter, but they don't hit the back of your baseball card. Now they do. And so you <laughs> you kind of get back into that little, you know, you have a good four weeks of adrenaline and then it's, this is where it separates the, you know, the elite from the good is the guy's ability to stay locked in for six straight months and every single day for 162 games and 180 days. Those are the guys that, you know, are your all-stars and are your, 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 kind of your big dogs around the league. It's it's tough. And uh but there's it's a lot of like again, it's a lot of like ups and downs through the course of the season. Um but it all starts in spring training and from a staff standpoint of spring training, it's all about preparing guys for day one of, of the season. You know, we go in and it's all right, how have we done our best, have we communicated all off season, like putting guys talking to them about their plans and their development plans and and putting them in the best position possible from day one, because that's what our focus is, building them up all through spring training. And that's where a lot of those conversations start happening, it's like, this is a process, this is a process, you hear it over and over to the point where it's a cliche, Um, but it's about building up, understanding what you're doing and understanding that this, you know, putting little, you know, building little things at a time and not trying to, you know, get too far ahead of yourself.
0: Dude, to so the last thing before I let you go, navigating being a dad and being in pro sports has been challenging for me because pro sports are unique, they're all-encompassing, and it's hard feeling like I do both well without one at the expense of the other. And, and being able to hear from dads like you, it's really helped. That it's not just me. We've both been in the off season. One of the hardest things about the offseason, obviously, is reintegrating back to the family and realizing also that they've been doing just fine without you for the whole season I mess up. I want to be in the mix right away and end up getting told, hey, man, relax. We've had a way of doing things. It's been going great for us. How do you manage this reintroduction into the household?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's, uh, it, it is, yeah, it's almost like, uh, there's a learning curve when you get back into the, the home life sometimes. And, uh, you know, you just got to get thrown back in and you just go to, you know, understand that they got their lives and they got their routines. And you just, you know, it takes me about, good man maybe takes me about a week and a half to get back to to adjust and finding out what those routines are understand what they're doing in school like where their practices are it's you know you're you're always connected but then when you get back here it hits you in the face and you're like oh wow okay this is really what happens you know every hour by the hour so it's yeah it's a it's a there's a lot that we miss unfortunately, but uh when you get back into it, it's kind of cool to like be around and and do all the things that that need to be done and and understand like uh how how can i be best be supportive to them you know when
0: well, I get it's here, like or you when said i am home knowing your identity as a player right yeah, know your identity as your dad like what am I here to help with you know what's my skill set <laughs> it's not doing yeah. ponytails that's for me
1: no it's well i yeah uh, i tried i you know I gave it a good effort uh <laughs> but yeah no i think it's it's about the best part about it is just you know it's really when you get home and uh it's just about being present you know and i know and it's hard it's hard to be present sometimes like those are the first initial things because your mind's always you know on our job and uh you know but uh you know you got to turn it off and 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 you know i've learned over the years to to find my ways to turn it off whether it's you know taking an extra a minute in the car before you walk in the door or because that's you got to make sure that the, you know baseball or tennis is always going to be
0: there, but in the family, it's, it's got to be the most important thing when you're when you're here. Hundred percent, dude. Listen, man, I appreciate your time, and uh, it's always great to catch up. And for me, it's been super exciting to see your you know progression from you know as kids first and foremost, but from you know being a player and then everything you went through, into now being you know one of the best coaches in baseball and the senior team perform over the last couple of years and especially you getting that ring a few years ago, man, you know, just so proud of your success and, and looking forward to seeing more.
1: Well, I appreciate it. Yeah. As always, uh, you know, we've, it's been great, you know, watching you as well and do your thing in tennis and uh, exchange ideas and let's go exchange some more pickleballs, you know, and <laughs> I get can't on that wait. Court.
0: <laughs> I can't wait. Mark Pryor, dude, thanks for being on the show, man. Appreciate it. Uh, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Hey, big thanks to Mark Pryor for joining me. As you listen to Mark, it's easy to tell that he's an intellectual, something I got to see firsthand as he approached his career as a player. He was methodical and diligent and a real student. The word student's thrown out a lot and has become kind of a cliche of sorts, but with him, it's true. He's not just a student of baseball, but also a student of excellence, and he's approached his second life, his coach life, that same way. When we talk about what makes players elite, what good competitors embody, these things are really the same sport to sport and pitching and tennis for me i've always thought they're particularly close mindset wise mark also speaks in a really analytical way with an emotional detachment as he talks about his ways of assessing people and that's what i sort of strive to reach when i'm coaching on tour but it's not always easy for me to get there the day in day out the travel the grind all that sorts of stuff plays a toll and when it feels like this is a big game or a big match, you have to do that extra work. That's what I learned. you got to do that extra work mentally and physically to really separate yourself from those emotions so you can approach whatever you're doing with clear eyes. Anyway, that's it. Thanks for listening. Let's enjoy week one from Melbourne. And I'll be back next week to talk AO and anything else going on in the tennis world. As usual, subscribe, rate, and review. And hit me up on the socials at Mark Lucero on Twitter or the gram. I am out.